Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Star Wars Meanderings and Ramblings. I am excited to be back. I have been sick for, God, three weeks now, coughing, 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 and I've had to reschedule this wonderful discussion I have today. So today I'm going to be talking with Michael Messinger, and he wants to talk about each specific movie in the Skywalker saga and changing and tweaking it to make it better, or so he says. So we're going to see how this plays out in a discussion. Um, so welcome, Michael. Thank you so much for being here. Hey, thank you, Kara. Thank you for having me. No problem. So again, like I said, he sent me like this whole outline, little tweaks <laughs> here and there that he would make to make the movies better. And I know we all have like gripes with the movie, right? Like, so one of my big ones is... And I think I wrote a blog post on this. They called it grievances, if you guys want to go back and look at it. Um, but Leia claiming she remembered her mom in episode six drove me nuts. Like, I hated that. Because, like, I was looking forward to and totally built up, you know, in Revenge of the Sith. I just remember watching, you know, obviously Phantom Menace, Attack of the Clones. And I was like, okay, it's going to happen in Revenge of the Sith. How is Padme going to have the kids for a little bit and Anna cannot know? Right. And I was so excited for that. And it was such a letdown and so lame. Like I thought there's no way. And they've given us excuses like starwars.com or whoever Lucasfilm has said, well, it's through the force. She has the memories from being in the womb or something. And I'm like, no, lame, not the case. All right. So we're going to start off with chronologically. We're going to go to episode one. Wait, is that chronologically? I guess it would be chronologically Anakin style, not chronologically the way they were released. So from the beginning of Anakin's life, Phantom Menace, you said the one tweak you would make is to make Anakin older. Let's talk about that. Sure. And, and when you make one tweak, you know, you, you kind of have to probably make a few other smaller tweaks, but we're, we're sticking to like maybe a, a big tweak and a small tweak, right? So uh, interesting story, you know, um, when I was doing some research for this uh, podcast, I, I I Googled some stuff and and you'd be surprised how many people have opinions on how to uh, improve the Phantom Menace and and other episodes, and and a common theme is making Anakin older. I I don't think making him a boy sat well with everybody. Um, First the, of all, wait, hold on, I want to jump in. I'm <laughs> not surprised that people have lots of tweaks. A lot of people did not like the Phantom Menace. Um, do you think that people wanted to make Anakin older because they didn't like Jake Lloyd's acting and they think that child actors are just like not convincing enough, or was there a, more of a legitimate legitimate reason for the storyline? I think it's more a legitimate reason for the storyline. I think it's just um, having him start as, as a as a boy just didn't, and then having to also meet Padme and have a romantic relationship with her that just seemed so contrived. I, I think they really everybody felt that it would just it would just make more sense given given the canon we have, um, you know, make Anakin older. So maybe he's a teenager. Um, he, he meets Obi-Wan Kenobi. He, he still sees Padme. He falls in love with her. I mean, just the same way that, you know, Luke saw Leia and wanted to run off to save her. He, he meets her on Tatooine and something happens and he goes off with Ben and, sorry. Um, Obi-Wan. Oh, well, Obi-Wan, but also um, uh, Qui-Gon. Qui-Gon, thank you. He yeah. was also there at the time, right? So he, he sees, he runs off with these exciting Jedi Knights and this hot um, senator, princess, whatever we're going to make her. Uh, and yeah, he just goes on an adventure. So, I, so yeah, getting back to your question, I think a lot of people just felt that him being older made more sense than him being a kid. You know, it just didn't work. It had nothing to do with the actors acting. Although I'm sure some one, people were, sorry. No, it's okay. But my one rebuttal against that is 
one of the big things we see with Anakin in the prequel trilogy is his attachment, right? Like he has a lot of attachments and he needed to be younger to be attached to his mother because that was the first almost downfall, right? Like he was like too old to begin the training. And I think if he was a teenager, it'd almost be completely implausible that the Jedi would take him on as an apprentice because they were at that point in time, they were so rigid with their rules on who they would accept as a Jedi. And even having like a nine-year-old as a Jedi was just like, like you saw how much pushback there was. So imagine if he was a teenager. Yeah, that's true. And I, I guess that brings up the point, you know, before the Phantom Menace comes out, did we really know that Jedi start out very young? We didn't really know much about Ooh. them, did we? So I guess you could tweak it. You could, you could just say, hey, you know, joining the Jedi Order is just like going off to college or, you know, um, what did Luke want to do? He wanted to join um, the, the Academy, right? So right, maybe right. to join the Jedi Academy, you have to be at least 18 years old or something. I mean, you, you could really start a, a total retcon there, but I mean, that's, that's not the change I was suggesting to Phantom Menace, but maybe that would solve a lot of other problems. But But you're right, to your point about attachment, he still has to have attachment somehow, doesn't he? Yeah, and the younger you are, I think the more. But like you said, now I'm thinking about it. Like if he falls in love with Padme, you could just skip the whole mother attachment as a teenager, and then the attachment is to Padme. But then, I mean, see, this is why I love this discussion. Then you're like creating this. I mean, teenage love here. Yes. I mean, asking Thanks. teenagers to go to like forget everything and go to a Jedi temple and learn to be a Jedi. I mean, that's a whole another can of problems. They'll just fall in love with other Jedi. You know, it's just gonna. <laughs> It's just going to be um, ridiculous. Anyway, you also said that you would want to see his parents. So does that mean you wouldn't, you would have Anakin actually have a father? Yeah, why not? I, I thought the whole, um, uh, what, what, what do we call it? Um, immaculate like conception birth. thing. Yeah, it was just yeah. totally like, I mean, what? it's like, it's like they're throwing a whole bunch of things in there because they're trying to explain or introduce what midichlorians. Midichlorians, so, yeah. Midichlorians, thank you. So yeah, it just seems like they just had a whole lot of things going on that were just unnecessary. You know, keep it a little simpler. Keep it simpler. Like, um, you know, I suggested, you know, he's just an average farm boy, a teenage farm boy. He wants to do fun things. You can still have that pod race scene. Um, just take out the whole being a slave. Um, you know, later his parents die a natural death and uncle Ben is just around to, to, to raise Luke later when, when that, when we get to that point of the story. Um, yeah. And, and maybe again, a minor tweak, cause we're, we're changing things and you have to think about the context of how long the movie is. We could probably get rid of that whole underwater scene with Jar Jar Binks, you know, finding mm-hmm. his area. Cause, cause let's be honest, that was just the asteroid scene underwater <laughs> I- instead of, you know, in space, right. The asteroid scene from empire strikes back. Yeah. Yeah, interesting. You know, so, yeah. have your kids watched Phantom Menace yet? They have not. They are not into Star Wars yet. Okay. Well, I, I my daughter actually really likes Phantom Menace and she loves Charger Banks. Okay. So like I, when I when you were sending me that outline, I was wondering if you were going to say get rid of Charger Banks. And I wanted to be like, but my, like when you see it from a kid's point of view, like mm-hmm. she even goes around sometimes saying, Misa, da, 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 like and she'll talk like Charger Banks. And I'm like, oh, it's kind of nice to see that she... She likes it, him yeah. and attached to him. Maybe you don't. Yeah, I mean, like I said, I'm not suggesting you totally get rid of it. Maybe you just downplay it a little bit, you know? Yeah. Uh, it, it's funny. As I mentioned, you know, people have written out their suggestions for improving things. And some are very elaborate. Some people have actually written out, you know, act one, act two, act three. I'm like, oh, I'm wow, sure. 
Yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm not quite at that level, but I understand that every time you make a tweak, there's some continuity problems that you might have to adjust. But one suggestion somebody had out there was, you know, downplaying the role. Like you introduced Jar Jar Binks a little later in the movie. You don't go through that whole underwater scene, but you still give him enough lines to show, you know, give him some character development. All right. All right. So let's move on to Attack of the Clones. Um, okay. <laughs> one of the things you wrote is better dialogue. Uh, yes, 100% agree. Though some people really like the dialogue. They think it like shows the awkwardness of teenage, you know, love and whatnot. Um, but they said, you said, let's find a better reason for Padme and Anakin to hang out and fall in love. So elaborate yeah. on that, please. Well, that's a good question. You he know, has I'm... a protector. So I thought that was a good reason. Like... <laughs> Does she really need protecting? I mean, come on. She's a badass. <laughs> Does she really need a Jedi protector? I mean, that's also a question. Because, like, I mean, if you see, like, the very beginning of the film, she played herself as a handmaiden and the decoy got blown up. So clearly they know what they're doing. It's yeah. not like they need a Jedi. Right. So, I mean, instead of them, you know, going on a, a hide, a hide, you know, hide her and keep her out of sight, mission maybe they go on an exploratory mission to find out who's behind uh you know the either the attacks on her or if you take out the the, the assassination attempts you know you find out what the um um uh, sorry I, I always get the terminology what the trade people are uh, trade alliance federation federation trade federation, trade federation. federation. thank yeah. you yeah so you know maybe they go on a secret mission to, to learn more what their next move is i mean that brings two people together because you're working together as equals not you know somebody protecting you and fighting over who's in control because remember I they really did kind like of that thank you it would make yeah. her a much stronger character and i'm all about female empowerment because there were like i think i think padme started really strong in phantom mentists and mm-hmm. i think as the series went on, she became a less empowered woman. I mean, she influenced me so much in The Phantom Menace. Like, as a kid, when I was 11 years old, maybe I was 12? Okay. Either a very young 12 or old 11. And I saw The Phantom Menace. I loved Queen Amidala. I loved Padme. I loved that she was a decoy and that she had the, you know, Sabe was the queen when she was the decoy and all of that in the Senate and she was just so powerful to me and so influential. And I remember being kind of bummed when Attack of the Clones came out and she's just a senator and then she went and hid with Anakin and I was kind of like eh. And then by the time we got to Revenge of the Sith Revenge of the Sith, I mean there were some great deleted scenes. I don't know if you've ever watched them but her character played a lot more like a lot stronger in Revenge of the Sith because she helped form the rebellion with Mon Mothma Bail Organa, and there's all these great deleted scenes of her working on the side and not even telling Anakin that she's oh. doing this. So it was great, but then you, if you listen to George Lucas's commentary in the DVD, he basically said, the story is about Anakin, so unfortunately, these scenes had to go. And I always hated that because it made her character just so much more of just a side character, like a lot weaker. She wasn't as forceful. But like if we had that background, I think she would have been a lot better. So I, I agree with you that like Going off with the trade, trying to find out who's attacking her could have been really interesting. Yeah. And I agree with you that her par- her character seemed to get more watered down with each Good word, with yeah. each movie. Yeah. How old was um, Natalie Portman in Phantom Menace? Do you remember? Gosh, I think she was 14 or 15. I think she was oh, close huh. to her character's age. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. So I could see why you would look up to her because she's just a few years older than you. You could definitely relate to her better. Yeah. 
and she was a queen i mean oh my god at that age like oh so cool yeah and she's going on all these adventures like and making big decisions like i would have never been able to make a decision like that 14 or 15 so let's go to um episode three run to the sith (laughs) you say let's get rid of general grievous entirely (laughs) um why why that um well, correct me if I'm wrong, but wasn't this the first time his character was introduced? Was he in Attack of yes. the Clones? Yes, yeah, so you know, he was first introduced in Revenge of the Sith. I mean, if you could technically, if you want to say, like, the Clone Wars and all of that. Like, he's mm-hmm. in the Clone Wars, but that was obviously made after this right. movie. So, the first so you, time as an audience we're seeing General Grievous is in Revenge of the Sith. Right, and he's, I mean, he's not a Jedi, but he uses lightsabers, and he, he's not a, he's a robot with a human heart or with a organic heart right it just seems like he pulled he was pulled out of he's filler he's filler he's content filler right i i don't think taking him out loses anything from the um uh movie and just doing something else in that space um maybe more time for some of the other stuff you know maybe maybe for some of those deleted scenes with um padme starting the rebellion so yeah, wouldn't that but uh, yeah, going back to that cuz obviously I I feel like it's like a personal travesty that they got rid of those scenes. I take it very personally. Um <laughs> but yeah, Google getting those... rid of Grievous and upping Padme's role mm-hmm. would have been really interesting. Um cuz then there would have been this big emotional component to it too, right? Because we see that she's doing stuff behind Anakin's back. And that they're disconnecting and they're going further apart, which makes their scenes when she's like, you know, hold me like we were back on Naboo, like those nostalgic scenes, like more um, poignant almost, you know, more, more dramatic. Like, cause like, I mean, most people have been through failed relationships, failed love relationships, you know, maybe not a failed marriage, but they can all relate to that moment of like, I wish we could just go back to where things were. And also like, I think as a woman having to like see your husband succumb to something that you might not um, agree with and that you're growing apart and to see her while she's pregnant going and doing something else could be really, really emotionally, um, charged for that movie where general grievous kind of just took up all the bang bang pew pew cough cough god i've sounded like general grievous for the past three weeks um, <laughs> but i mean that's a good point too i i actually really liked his character but as i've gotten older i agree i think he's filler like when i was younger i thought he was really cool well how old was i when it came out like 17 18 i thought he was a really cool character but i yeah. agree he, he's kind of I mean, I guess they need they need someone to lead the separatists, right? Because otherwise, it's just this vague like the separatists out there, and they're causing all this problem, and they're tearing the republic apart. But it's good to see like the leader, even though we know the real leader is Palpatine, to see who that quote unquote person that leader is behind it all. So I, I like I'm 50-50. I guess I'm just trying to play devil's advocate. Like, there's a reason he's in there. Sure, you need to be in there. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I'm going to stick with my guns, though, and say, you know, the movie's better without him, but it's not awful with him. So that's a good way to put it. It could be better without him, but it wasn't awful with him in it. Yeah. Uh, and you also said skip the twins birth, only Luke. So were you saying that no Leia? Yeah. Uh, um, so I'm not saying you don't have Leia in the franchise. I'm just saying she's not Luke's brother. I mean, that was just... Um, Luke's sister, yeah. I'm sorry. You know what I mean? Yeah. I, I get a little dysfunctional sometimes. Um, 
I just I'm dyslexic. Anyway, um, yeah, I, I'm saying get rid of the, her having twins and then the, you know the Luke and Leia thing. It just seemed. I mean, it's one thing to go ahead and make um, Luke Darth Vader's son. I mean, okay, that kind of makes that. Okay, I could see that as a you know um, the storyline, right? It's you know the, the prequels were supposed to be the story of the fall of Anakin Skywalker. The originals is you know the adventures of Luke Skywalker, and then and so I could see the, I could see connecting those events there. That that's kind of a nice plot twist. But then to go ahead and add another you know retcon, we know it was a retcon, and making Leia his sister was just you know it just it just created more questions than it than it solved you know. And also, I think, um, I mean, obviously, we found out in return, he had no choice. He had to have Leia be Luke's sister in Revenge of the Sith because in Return of the Jedi, they had confirmed, right, that they were brother and sister. They were twins. But I think it also speaks to this larger issue um, of the midi-chlorians and kind of the inheritance of the Force, which I think a lot of people were not thrilled about with the prequels, right? Because... If Leia's just not Luke's sister, but she's also strong in the Force, let's say in Return of the Jedi, she was not Luke's sister. We didn't find out about that. She was just the leader of the rebellion, but she was very strong in the Force, right? Then anyone can be strong in the Force, and it's not inherited. Um, but because he went back to the prequels and created the midichlorians, and then they were brother and sister, he was kind of showing that the Force is something that's passed down yeah. you know, through genetics, um, which, he, again, like I... I agree. Like, it's kind of cool having Leia not be Luke's sister, but I, I, I can't ima- – my imagination is not strong enough to completely get rid of that because it's so part of Star Wars canon, right? Well, you see, you watched the, you watched the series from, like, episode, episode one through episode six. That's how you grew up, right? You started. No, first, no, 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 no. I did watch four, five, six first. Oh, okay. Yeah, because watching four, five, six growing up, I was always in the impression that anyone could – learn the ways of the force right. if they were just dedicated to right so it would totally make sense that he could he could have trained han solo if han solo would you know shut his arrogance off for 10 minutes and try to learn you know that hokey ancient religion but anyway i um, think for me i always thought that like i guess it, i thought it was like a blend like it's not necessarily that you got it from your parents mm-hmm. but some people might not have it i never looked at it as like anyone could be trained with it when I was okay. watching it, I kind of looked at it more like some people had a stronger will of the force, almost like Harry Potter. Like some people were born with magic mm-hmm. and some people weren't. And sometimes it mattered who your families were and sometimes it didn't. That's a good way of looking at it. There's another, I don't know if you are into other sci-fi shows or anything, but there's um, Stargate Atlantis. They addressed something similar. There's um, long, long story short, you know, they find this, alien space station or something and some humans happen to have the gene and they can activate the machinery and weaponry easily other people can't unless they do gene therapy or something so uh, so i guess it's a common theme you know are you maybe it's maybelline maybe you're born with it i don't know (laughs) (laughs) um yeah and i think the sequels try to address that by showing that anybody you know again in in the second movie of the sequel anybody could you know, use the force. So, and then they were trying to retcon the midichlorians. It's like there's a lot of retconning going on here. Exactly, in Star exactly. Wars. That when you dig down into it, you're like, mm, this is interesting. All right, so let's move to Episode Four, A New Hope. You said this one is fine. Well, actually, so Episode Four, A New Hope, also known as the sequel to um, Rogue One, um, 
I will never admit that, but okay. <laughs> okay. Anyway, um, I, I actually thought about this a little. I, oh, I hope I can remember what I what I came up with at three in the morning. Um, yeah, it's pretty good. Um, what would I change? What would I change about this? Um, oh, so you remember, you know, the, the Star Wars. Um, George Lucas has kind of retconned it a few times, right? There's a version we all saw in 1978, not you right. because you weren't born, but then you know he's re- he's released, you know. Um, Special editions, special and editions, DVD where he's versions, added stuff back and in. now so, Disney Plus and Blu-ray. Yeah, there's yeah. So, so maybe we go back to having you know that scene where he goes to Tashi Station and hangs out with his friends. Maybe we see more of Biggs. Maybe we see. I think that is there. I'm on the despecialized version. So, like, he does have those scenes, and I think he did put them in, okay. but they're really. Grainy. I know he. I know he has a scene. Uh, the scene with Biggs in you know right before the battle. Does he have a scene where he's talking with Biggs and on Tatooine? Because I. Don't know if that got in there. I'm trying to remember because I have the despecialized versions, and honestly, I haven't watched it in a, a while. Time. And there is, there are those scenes; they exist. Okay, yeah, I and I just don't know if they're like you know, ex- you know how when you get a DVD, you watch it, and then at the end they have bonus yes. tracks, but it's not part yeah. of the movie. So yeah, but anyway, so I guess, like I said, it's perfect because obviously this is what brought us all into the Star Wars universe. And so maybe just some more scenes like that could, could help, um, you know. And what, what makes it perfect to you? Um, I don't know. It's just, it was the thing that got us excited about Star Wars. It was the thing that, you know, it, it's, it, so one of the things I, a, a question I posed, I actually wrote a, a blog post about this and I'm not the first one, you know, how realistic does science fiction have to be, right? Um, and what the under one of the um, repetitive themes that people come up with is as long as it's a very good, entertaining story, people are willing to um, suspend a lot of disbelief. And I think Star Wars has you do that. I mean, there's a lot of stuff that if you sit down and think about it, I mean, I mean, there's a couple things that the Star Wars universe kind of glosses over their political system and how their technology works. Right. And so, but because it's such a great story, you know, at, at the base level, it's, you know, boy sees girl, boy tries to rescue the fairy princess from the evil, whatever, you, you overlook all that other stuff. Yeah. And I, I think I actually like that you're thrown into the story and you're not being explained to with what happens. You know what I mean? Like, there's not a lot of explaining at all. So oh, yeah. here are two droids and they end up on this planet and they're going to <laughs> find someone called like Kenobi. What? <laughs> and they get captured by these creatures and there's like you know even the scene with Darth Vader you know the, and Grand Moff Tarkin the senate has been dissolved and there's all this talk about political things and they're chasing a rebellion but there's no explaining which I like so you actually have to watch it I mean I remember when I first got introduced to it, I had to watch it like two or three times or four times to pick up on everything because it was just like here's a story but the story was so good and the core fundamentals of it were so human that absolutely that you were just swept along with it yeah in, uh, literature teachers all across the nation were like yes they're showing not telling so exactly exactly all right so empire strikes back skip the asteroid field so yeah oh that's so sad i love the asteroid field i love the yeah. asteroid field. <laughs> here but it's un- it's unrealistic asteroid fields don't work like that asteroids are far apart you could you could drive you know you could drive the death star through them if you really wanted to uh, yeah, but you just said that, that you liked that the and you hope glossed over all these things and they didn't really work. So I mean, why not do it with the asteroid field? 
I mean, of course you can, but what I'm saying is if you cut that scene, let's, okay, so they're having trouble with their hyperdrive, right? So they go from Hoth and they just go to the Cloud City. You have more, you can have more character development of Lando. You can have more cool scenes in the Cloud City, you know, that you can have more. Uh, that would be such a long time in Cloud City. I, I, I think I'm going to disagree with this one. I don't know. I feel <laughs> well, like that's. Know- it's never really clear how long they were in Cloud City, right? Because again, Star Wars glosses over how long it takes to get from place to place. I mean, do we really think Luke was only training for like a couple of days on Dagobah? Was he there for a month? We, we oh my don't gosh, know. this is a really good question. I've never thought about that. And I'm sure there's an answer. And now I want to go find the answer because I've never <laughs> thought. I mean, obviously, we see Leia changes an outfit. Yeah. So they've been there at least a night, I would say. But it always <laughs> looks like two days, right? But you're right. How long was Luke on Dagobah? Hold on. Now I'm going to type this in. Bear with me because this, this, I've never thought about this. About eight to 10 weeks. Is that what the internet says? Is that that's the first answer okay. that comes up? Ooh, Pablo Hidalgo, the expert on all things, and he works for StarWars.com. According to Pablo Hidalgo, a creative executive member of the Lucasfilm Story Group. It is possible Luke Skywalker was on Dagobah only for a few weeks, but it would have felt to him more like months, approximately six months. Oh, that's shady. I hate it when they do that. <laughs> Star Wars always has those kind of answers. You know what I mean? It's like, mm. so we're having our cake and eating it too. Right. Like, but really, because of the intensity of it, it was six, felt like six months to him. So, okay, if we assume a few weeks, that means the. The time from when Han and Leia blasted out from Hoth on the Falcon, the hyperdrive breaks down, and then we've got the asteroid scene, and then all the way pretty much to Cloud City would be a few weeks. And now that seems unbelievable to me, because that means they were chased by the Empire for a long time, and they were sitting in that asteroid maybe for a long time. I mean, yeah, interesting. Now you brought it like a whole can of worms to me I've never thought about, ever. It was how long this was. So internet saying four to six weeks. Pablo Hidalgo saying a few weeks. So you're saying like, let's go to Cloud City, spend a few weeks there, get to know Lando, and then maybe the double crossing feels really more powerful. Yeah. Yeah, that's exactly what I'm saying. That could be interesting. Okay. Okay. And thinking about it, I- but... Before we go for I want to bring up something. I want to touch back on something you said in your first podcast, if I could. So... Again, picture me when we between Star Wars and the Empire Strikes Back. Um, like today, there's a lot of you know, there's um, all Disney's got all those other shoot offs, right? There's all mm-hmm. kinds of fan fictions and books. Back in the day, the only if you wanted more of a Star Wars fix, the only choices we had there were a couple of books out there. There was um, Han Solo at Star's End, and um, what was the other one? Splinter um, of the Mind's Splinter Eye. Splinter of the Mind's Eye. Thank you. I was just about to say that. <laughs> and, and and that those were written before they knew about, you know, Luke and Leia being brother and sister or how the force or, you know, they didn't realize how powerful the force could be. So it's just it's just interesting. To, to, I just want to point out that, you know, like back then it was just the Empire Strikes Back was such a great movie because it kind of took put the um, the series uh, flipped it over with the whole reveal of Darth Vader being Luke's father, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. All right, so Return of the Jedi. Change the meeting with the Ewoks and being captured by them. Too long and unnecessary. And Luke and Leia are not siblings. So we discussed Luke and Leia not being siblings. Right. So 
we'll we don't really that. need to go into that. But the Ewoks, man, I know a lot of people, <laughs> a lot of people are are upset about the Ewoks, especially the older fans. And did you see this in theaters? You did, right? Yeah, you were just saying that yeah. you, yeah. So how old were you when you saw Return of the Jedi? Do you remember? What year did it come out? Uh, let's see, 83? Oh, 83. So I would have been 13, 14. So did you like the Ewoks then or no? No, okay. No, I, I just thought they were silly and just, you know, I just like, you know, pointless. I don't want to say pointless, but I, and I, I don't, I guess I don't mind them being in there, but that whole, you know, they capture them and they have to do the whole raise C3PO and that whole learn their language. And it just, it just seems, I mean, if you're going to have Ewoks, maybe they get in there, maybe you have one cute, cuddly scene where they see, like, where he steals that, um, uh, motorcycle and gets chased by the stormtroopers and then yeah, they spear, form an yeah. alliance or something you know and they... but the whole point of the ewoks to me and I, I believe for george lucas too was how the empire overlooks them as not being a threat and showing that these these creatures that the empire that was the whole thing with the empire and that's the problem that they had is they always thought you know like the local inhabitants or whoever they were not worthy of their attention they're not going to cause any problems and then what happens is that they do cause problems right like the people that were below their notice or the creatures that were below their notice and the rebellion utilized that and if it wasn't for the friendship of leia um and 3po being a a deity or whatever i said it's not in my programming to impersonate a deity being a god basically because anakin totally put that in there (laughs) right (laughs) at nine years old anakin definitely thought of that um so um i think that actually made it very powerful like i mean i don't care either way that they're cutesy or not and i guess yeah i was really young when i saw it i never i never latched onto them i was never like oh ewoks are so cute i just thought they were like part of the film cool and i moved on but i do think as an older fan now it makes a lot of sense to say that like the ewoks kind of brought down the empire they had a huge role they were the most pivotal role in breaking bringing down the empire other than the rebellion and the empire thought they were below their notice. Well, that's a good point. I never thought about that. Um, is, is it, weren't the Ewoks really supposed to be a substitute for um, Wookiees because they couldn't yes. afford to. Okay. Yeah. Yes. Yes. He wanted to bring the Wookiees, but then like, I can't remember what happened, but they ended up in revenge of the Sith instead. But yeah, they were, um, they were supposed to be the, the Wookiees. Um, but I, I don't know. I, I, I like them. I'm for them. And I I guess I wouldn't change much in Return of the Jedi. I think Return of the Jedi is a really good film. I love the Jabba the Hutt scenes in the beginning. Even the feminist in me that, like, a lot of people complain about Leia being in the slave outfit. Um, yeah. I actually don't mind that because I think that she was forced into it. She was never, she would never wear that on her own. So I actually don't have a problem with that. So when people get upset about it, Oh, George Lucas put that in there for the male um, viewership. Like, yeah, maybe, but like it was done in a way that I still didn't feel like it was random. I felt like she was uncomfortable. She looked uncomfortable the whole time. She did not want to be in that outfit. And I thought it was, um, I thought it was actually fine because she didn't, she didn't want to be in it. Um, so I'm trying to think if there's anything else. Like the Jabba the Hutt scenes were awesome. The Emperor scenes were awesome. The ending was good. Boba Fett. Um, I mean, maybe... oh yeah, Boba Fett. Right. Everyone gets upset that he got eaten by the Starlight right away. I thought that was really funny. I thought that was George Lucas's way to be like, oh, you guys love this character. Just kidding. <laughs> Watch what's going to happen. 
I thought that was him just kind of putting his middle finger up. So I didn't mind. It probably was. It probably was. Or, you know, time constraints, right? You only can do so much. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Maybe he just wanted to nip it in the bud because everyone's going to be like, but Boba Fett, what happened to Boba Fett? And he's like, ah, let's just write him off. And then the book of Boba Fett, that show was horrible, I thought. So he should have stayed in the Sarlacc. Yes. Um, All right. All right. So, I I mean, I now that we're talking about I think Return of the Jedi is actually kind of really well done and near perfect. I think all the original trilogy, I have very few issues with them. All right. We'll jump to the sequel trilogy. We don't have much left here because you said in The Force Awakens, skip the scene with the smugglers, um, I think the pirates and the Rathtars, right? Yeah. That just seemed, again. Oh, God. Yeah, it's horrible. It was horrible. It was horrible. It was horrible. Um, The only part I like is when Ray like, snaps down the blaster door or something and it's like oh my god like you know she does it from the computer and he's like oh the rather was after me and she goes oh that was lucky that was my favorite <laughs> i loved that line um like when she had totally controlled the whole thing and she was like oh yeah that was lucky um but that was the only part i liked of that yeah i thought that was a really stupid scene too i don't know why that ever got the green light I don't, I don't know if it maybe was something bigger and it got cut down to what we saw or yeah, I, or filler. I, I, I don't know either. Like how, how, like how do we get Han Solo back to the Millennium Falcon? Gosh, you can only think of 700 other ways, but let's right. go with Rathars. Right. There had to have been better ways to bring him to, I mean, he, yeah. Cause I mean, he pulled in the Millennium Falcon, mm-hmm. boarded it, Chewie were home. He's smuggling Rathars. Yeah, why couldn't he have been smuggling something else? And like, not, yeah. Could have been a lot more interesting. What would have been cool is if he would have been like boarded by the First Order or something instead of like other pirates, right? And then like he has to get out of that. That would have been a more interesting situation. Uh, and then just jump ahead. You just said, okay, Last Jedi, retcon this one out of existence. <laughs> Rise of Skywalker, retcon this one out of existence. You hated those two. So then if you hate those two and you don't want them to exist, how would you end The Force Awakens? It's oh, a good question. Um, I feel like the Force Awake- Awakens had had a lot of little, um, uh, what would I call them, nuggets that were, that they were going to build on if if it had been the original director and producer. But they, didn't they they recast a lot behind the scenes? The people, the writers. Yeah, yeah. So they decided to do kind of like what they did in the Marvel movies, which is mm-hmm. get a new director. Um, but it didn't, and like a new story, but it didn't mm-hmm. really work because they didn't. At least Marvel has like stories to work off of, right? Star Wars didn't. And so they pulled in Ryan Johnson for The Last Jedi and he totally changed the entire way the film went forward. And obviously I have a podcast on that with someone who really likes The Last Jedi. Um, And then The Rise of Skywalker, they brought back J.J. Abrams who did The Force Awakens. So then he tried to squeeze in his whole storyline that he originally, I think, wanted to do into one movie at the same time using what was put up in The Last Jedi so it didn't go totally off course and it was just horrible yeah so i guess i mean for the force awakens if i was gonna gosh if i was gonna keep it just one movie oh not you don't necessarily have to keep it to one movie but i would just do so you could still have three movies but i mean i would just think so what is the overall purpose um of the three movies so you know we're trying to find out what happened to luke skywalker and the jedis right so that's maybe that's your one storyline and then you've got this um you've got kylo ren's storyline which is like the nemesis storyline the 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 fallen child right, basically the fallen child um you've got the you've got the resistance which i guess replaced the rebellion right. and then you still have the republic and then you still have and then you have the new order is that right the first order or first and then, order but sorry. they blow up the new republic in 
right. first the Force Awakens. Yeah, so it just I don't know, I think I might change that somehow. And it, so, I mean, it just seems weird that you have a, a, a resistance when you have an official legitimate government that you were the ones who fought to create. So I, I don't know what that would be. Um, would just... So actually, I did read a book. Which, Bloodline, <laughs> was it? it? With Leia. Like, I, uh-huh. I rarely read the Star Wars books anymore. But I read this this book on Leia and what and and how she stepped away. And basically, the New Republic was refusing to acknowledge that the first order was a threat ah, okay. and they were growing and it was almost like this like fascist movement or something like, you know, off in on another planet that was growing and like spies had found out that there were um, like machines being created. Right. And it was a quite a force and then the Republic refused to acknowledge it. And mm-hmm. so she gathered some people together and created a resistance because she wanted to be ready when they took over. And then they did in the Force Awakens. So that is how they explained it. In the okay. Book. Well, you know, you could you could achieve the same thing by being part of the legitimate government. So in fact, basically, the three prequel, the three sequels should be the reverse uh, reverse scenario of the original series. So instead of a band of resist, of a band of um, rebels trying to fight the legitimate government, you have the legitimate government who's ignoring the um, first order. But then within the legitimate government, there's a faction that actually knows, hey, there's danger, there's danger. And so that's where your conflict is. Every movie has them trying to, hey, look, I'm showing you the uh, the killer is inside the house, you know. Um, and so you could have, so you could still have Leia as part of the official government, and, but she's being, you know, kneecapped by maybe more ambitious people who are just concerned with their political career and advancement, not, you know, any legitimate danger. I like that, but I'm going to push back and say the reason why they didn't want to do that is because of the backlash that the prequels got with all the government talks and stuff that was going on. So I think they were stuck with The Force Awakens being like, we need to bring back the fans that hated the prequels. So the probably the older fans, the ones who love the the original trilogy. And we also need to create a new story that's more modern. Okay. So we need to have a female be at the center of it, because that's the way ten years ago, right? Like that's what was happening. So okay, we put Ray in front of it. But how do we keep it still at the core Star Wars and like the original trilogy that people love so much? So I think what they came up with was like very little political backdrop, because they wanted to keep it like the original trilogy. They kept the themes very similar to the original trilogy. They copied a lot of the original trilogy in The Force Awakens because they wanted to bring back all these fans, right, that had been jaded by the prequel trilogy. So uh, that's why I'm, like, say, giving you a little bit of pushback here because I think that would have been interesting, this this book that I read. Is it Bloodline? Oh, my God. I can't believe I can't remember, but I think it's Bloodline. Um, came out in, like, 2016, I think. Like, yeah, that would have been interesting to see, but I don't think it would have drawn in viewers. And people would have been frustrated. They would have been like, oh, it's like the prequels all over again. All right. That's a very good point. Let me ask you this. I'm sure you're familiar with the uh, Timothy Zarn book. Yes, 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 yes. Air to that Yeah. Once, um, yeah, exactly. Once um, uh, Return of the Jedi was over, myself and my friends my age who were we were screaming for that series to be made into movies. So maybe you could we could have brought some of that into the um, uh, sequels. Yes, and I remember when... I remember when they were talking about like releasing these movies, it was like, are they going to bring Mara Jade into it? Are they going to have Thrawn? And funnily, Thrawn is back, but in the TV series. So it's like, I remember wondering how much they were going to bring in. But again, now I'm pushing back on you. The problem is you bring that series in. Why can't you bring everything else in? Why only that series, not everything else? And 
-hmm. again, it just goes down this tricky slope. So from a business's like side of it, I understand why Disney said, okay, we're going to scratch an entire expanded universe because that's just sticky water. We'll take, we'll pick and choose what we like. And fans who have read the EU will say, oh, I remember that. Like Thrawn is the most obvious example, right? But when Thrawn showed up in Star Wars Rebels, all these fans who have read that series was just like, oh yeah, Thrawn, we love Thrawn, right? And now he's going to be 99% going to be in these live action series. Um, I think it's, uh, it's basically like, I think Disney had a lot of issues bringing this first movie back to light. And I actually really like The Force Awakens a lot. Um, I agree. Skip the, skip the Raftars entirely. That was stupid. But I think um, there was no real way. The only thing I would change in it really was get rid of Starkiller Base. It was way too much like the Death Star. That was that was a, one of my biggest problems. Because I thought the character development in The Force Awakens was actually really good. I really liked the new characters. Um, especially Ray. I love Ray. My daughter's middle name is Ray. But I think Starkiller Base was just... Lack of imagination, right? Like there, there it, had to be another star on the planet. Yeah, yeah. I like, agree. and since they knew they were making a trilogy, they didn't even have to blow it up. They could have left it on a total cliffhanger, right? They didn't have to make a nice, neat ending the way they did. And um, I think I actually would have shifted Han Solo's death to further movies. I would have brought the three main characters back at some point in The Force Awakens. I don't know how. But, like, we never saw them together, right? Which I didn't even realize until after Carrie Fisher died and someone pointed out to me that we never saw all three of the original trilogy characters back together. And I was like, oh, my God, you're right. Like, we never saw Luke, Leia, and Han together in the sequel trilogy because Han died in the first movie. We saw Leia and Han together talking briefly. but And then Carrie Fisher actually died, right? So it's... They did have that scene with her and Luke, I guess, in the end of Last Jedi, but he was supposedly like a projection, so it it wasn't even real. Um, but yeah, okay. So I think yeah. we've reviewed everything. Yeah, I think I think in the in the constraints of time we have, yeah, I mean, we could probably wax philosophical mm-hmm. all day, but we've got things to get back to. But yeah, I, I think we thought of some good suggestions and some good thought provoking ideas for you know for when you and I are in charge of Disney and can make right. the series the way we want to. We are George Lucas and or Disney. This is what <laughs> we do. Um, I know it's hard. It's hard. It's really hard to think about these things because I don't know if you read. Harry Potter and the Cursed Child, the screenplay, or saw it, the play, but it goes into the whole question of going back and changing the past or changing one thing. Like, how much of an effect does it have on the future? And that's what I was thinking with this. Like, yeah, we would say, like, okay, we want to tweak one thing, we want to tweak another thing, but then it creates that ripple effect. And can you really tweak one thing without changing the entire series? So that's my food for thought here as we end this. Like, Yes, I like these, like, especially, like, I totally want Leia to remember her mom. I had this whole thing in my head where Padme was going to try to run away from Anakin, end up in Alderaan for a little bit of time, and Leia was going to be two or three before Vader figured out that she was, still, like, she was alive and he was going to hunt her down or something, and that's how Leia remembered her. Like, I, that was my thought process, and I didn't know how Padme was going to die, but I thought it would be interesting if Anakin actually killed her, because that would really cement the dark side in him right and make the luke's saving him way more powerful right that could could actually have worked in fact maybe padme you know fake or 
she dies, but she fakes um, Leah's death as well, so that mm. you know. Um, right. Darth Vader, although um, he, he Anakin didn't know he had twins, right? He how did he, he didn't know he had any kids? No, he had any kids, and then he, he thought the kids he, died in her womb with her, right? And they made that. If you see in Revenge of the Sith, they purposely made her burial where she's going along in like the open casket. They made her still look pregnant on purpose so that he wouldn't think that the kids were alive. Right. The only thing I focused on was they showed that little um, necklace. Th- necklace that he made for her. Yeah. yeah. So that was kind of cool. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, I mean, I, I guess my, again, I just want to, as we close this, say sure. to the listeners, when you change one thing, how much do you change in the entire thing? Could we even really change one thing and not well, expect to have <laughs> consequences for the entire saga? Right. Well, you use the analogy of time travel, right? If you go back in time, there are purists who, you know, they say if you go back in time and you were meeting a friend for a drink and you order white wine instead of red wine, you've totally changed the timeline. Then there are other people who say, no, no, those little things cancel each other out and destiny strives to assert itself. So uh, in in terms of movie changes, you're right. I think some small changes won't won't affect, but the bigger the ripple, the, the, or the bigger the change, the bigger the ripple. That, mm-hmm. That's what I think. All right. Well, this has been fun. Tell um, our listeners where they can find you online if they want to debate anything with you. <laughs> well, I guess the easiest thing, thing you could go to my um, Facebook page, which is, um, you know, Facebook, it's Mysteries of Life blog. So you, if you just search Mysteries of Life, I'm pretty sure I'm like one of the only two out there or my Twitter handle is also it's mysteries O life because I used to blog under mysteries of life before um, the blog went away. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. This has been fun. Thanks, Kira. All right. May the force be with you. <laughs> and, and, and with you always. <laughs>